Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop, which means this episode is about Formula One specifically. If you enjoy this content and want more F1, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore and subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lunchpail Guys podcast. This is our Pit Stop show where we talk about Formula One. It's been a a little while since we've seen you all, but we're happy to be back and discussing some good Formula One content. We've got a pretty big gap in the races, but a month between Australia and our next race. So we're going to run through some headlines from the first three Grand Prix of the season. Um, I'm here today with Jared. Jared, would you like to say hello to everybody? Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we're going to jump right into it with a little bit of Red Bull, Red Bull talk. Red Bull has been unbeatable this year um, for the most part. Lewis Hamilton called the RB19 the fastest F1 car he's ever seen. They are dominating. Max Verstappen is in first place. They have won every race so far this season. But, you know, we got to thinking. Um, we're two years out from Red Bull's cost cap breach uh, during the 2021 season. They were punished for it in 2022. But, Jared, do you think this cost cap breach is still impacting Red Bull's performance to this day and why they might have such a big leg up on the competition. Yeah, absolutely. It it really grinds my gears. Like, do they maybe have like a second is, is every second that they're ahead of the next fastest team attributable to, to attributable to the cost cap? No cost cap breach. No, but I think some of it is like, you can't tell me that during the time when the, the cost cap breach came out, Everybody was saying that's not a minor offense. That's actually pretty major, um, even though it was mm-hmm. defined as a minor offense in the rules, right? And mm-hmm. as much as Red Bull want to claim that their their overspend had zero performance benefit, that it was all spent on catering or whatever, I mean, part of the year that they over they overspent in 2021, and part of their 2022 Red Bull would have been designed in 2021. So, like, at least part of mm-hmm. this is part of that 2022 car is like kind of a result of cheating, at least uh, some of it. Mm-hmm. Then development yeah. of this year's car probably started in the mm-hmm. second half of last year before they had the cost cap penalty yet. They hadn't received it yet because they got it in like, I want to say October, right? Of 2022. Mm-hmm. It was around the time of code uh, of the circuit of the Americas. So they've been reaping the benefit of overspending with how late the penalty has been received essentially. And yeah, it just, it's really annoying to me that like, they they had it they had a literally a trial run in 2020 to clarify exactly what was acceptable accounting versus non-acceptable accounting nine mm-hmm. other teams correctly interpreted the cost cap and then somehow the team that not only won the championship in 2021 but then also ran away with it in 2022 is the only team that didn't interpret the cost cap correctly is really stupid and like there's a lot more i could say about it but i think the penalty, I think I would I would think at least from maybe a maybe a US sports perspective, I don't think the penalty was fair at all. Like 10% reduction in wind mm-hmm. tunnel and every or whatever their reduction in wind tunnel, all that means is they have to spend those resources elsewhere, like on reducing the weight of their car, which is what they did, by the way, in the offseason, is they reduced uh-huh. the weight of their car. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. okay, you do, you can't work on this part of the car in the wind tunnel and the arrow, which they already had figured out, go work on reducing the weight. And they didn't they didn't even take any money out of their budget cap the next year. It makes no sense why they would do that. And uh, the yeah. funny thing too is a lot of the team principals, like Total Wolf, seemed to be okay with that. He was like, Yeah, I think the penalty was fair. It did reputational damage. And I was like, Okay. 
maybe that is what the teams want. Like they don't want, they want to let a team cheat and not really be compromised for it that much the next year. But I think it's, I think it's, it's it like it's really annoying that this is that they're the team that is dominating and they're the only team that cheated too. That's just me. No, I mean I 100% agree, and I think like from maybe Toto's perspective there, there's this sort of whole precedent where it's like okay, well if for whatever reason we do this in the future, like we're not going to be punished that harshly. So that's why with Toto and all the other team principles, it's like you know we're okay to some extent with this having happened because it basically gives them the leeway to do it in the future. If they're not going to be yeah. punished too harshly, there's no incentive for them, anybody to really follow the rules as much, which is frustrating point. from a lot of perspectives. Um, but I mean, in addition to, you mentioned, you know, the cost cap was, or the penalty was applied so late at the end of last year, but there's just like, even still the knock on effects from that. So, right. You mentioned at the end of like 2021, um, they could start preparing for their 2022 car because of the cost cap. But because of that, like then in 2022, like, they didn't have to do as much work on their car as other teams because they had already, like, front-ended that in 2021. So I think I saw a quote maybe a week or two ago from, from Toto Wolf that was, like, us and everybody else are 6 to 12 months behind Red Bull. And that's not because I don't think, like, Red Bull has, like, this... I mean, obviously, they're excellent designing cars and all that. But I think at least some part of that is attributable to the fact that they essentially got six extra months to work on the car because they were spending. I mean, I guess it doesn't, like work out that way exactly but like because everybody you know was developing at the end of 2021 but if they're spending more i think that's fairly equivalent to getting extra time on your car and mm-hmm. so it's like super frustrating that um you know toto didn't sell it as such but i think it is true that the fact that you know everybody's sort of six to 12 months in developing with these new regulations behind red bull is in no small part due to the fact that they essentially use more money to work on their car in 2021 when they breached the cost cap and so they face less issues they had the least porpoising issues basically of anybody mm-hmm. last year i think that's a huge part of it um it's just like the fact that they had overspent so yeah i i am with you that it feels exceedingly frustrating yeah i think like going back to the penalty it's or the punishment for the penalty itself or for the infringement itself i think they what they should have done is obviously reduced next year's cap they definitely should have done that and done a like maybe twice as much as your overspend or something is reduced from your next Mm -hmm. year's cap the reduction in wind tunnel time is fine as long as it would have been combined with something like that and they should have moved Mm -hmm. their pit crew and their trailer to the back of the grid so they had to walk the farthest every time every race if they really wanted reputational damage like remember yas capito in drive to survive talking about like oh i hate how williams we have to do the walk of shame all the way to the very last trailer on the grid I think they should have done something like that too. I I don't think they did that um, from what I've seen, but yeah. No, I don't think either. And then, like it's frustrating too because like I don't even feel like the reputational damage was that bad. No, like, <laughs> yeah, what the heck? I think I think it's pretty much nothing. Like Max yeah. still won the world championship. They won the constructors last year. Unless something pretty dramatic changes, both those things are going to happen again this year. Like I think mm-hmm. it's very frustrating to be like, oh, like well, you know, their their reputation is super damaged, and I don't think that's the case even in the slightest that that no. happened. Like. I mean, me and you are complaining about it, and other non-Red Bull fans are complaining about it, but I don't know. Nobody's don't like, care. I feel like, yeah, there's not as much, there's no talk that, like, the 2022 title is, like, illegitimate. Like, I mean, I think there's some talk about 2021 in that, but, <laughs> yeah. like, I, yeah, but with 2022, I don't think anybody's like, yeah, Red Bull was an illegitimate champion last year. Like, I don't think that's the case at all, so. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating when even the reputational damage itself, I feel like, has been not severe. Yeah, yeah. And the the funny thing too, going going back to when they got the penalty, and they also got to negotiate their penalty, right? Because they had like an uh, accepted mm-hmm. breach agreement or something like that. Is Christian yeah. Horner said the penalties were draconian, uh, draconian, 
Even though he yeah, knew no. darn well that's a lie. Like he knew he must have known they got off easy from that. Otherwise, they would have just mm-hmm. appealed. If he really thought it was draconian, he would have appealed. That's what I'm saying. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like come that, on. I, it make, yeah, it makes no sense to be like, oh, these are like the worst policies ever, like put into place. Like it's like yeah, draconian or whatever the word he used was, like you said to describe it. When it's like no, like there would have been an appeal. Like I've spent enough time reading law school textbooks <laughs> that when you feel like you didn't get the result you wanted, you appeal it, and there's a whole process for that. In fact, they just accept it. It makes me think that it wasn't that bad. It, it, it like from what we mentioned like purely in terms of punishment but also from the reputational damage like it wasn't bad at all either so it's mm-hmm. like they basically not not punished at all and it's frustrating to watch that as like even still a newer fan where i'm like well if they're cheating so there'd be some sort of fallout from that like and i guess there was some sort of fallout in like in air quotes but it seems to have not affected at all they're still dominating everybody this year like <laughs> even more so than they were last year like i i, I forget well, what exactly the context was? I think it's when Max passed Lewis at Australia to go into first. Uh, one of the announcers, I forget who, said it's like an F one car passing an F three car, and that's what it looks like. That's how far yeah. ahead Red Bull is at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. The also also the funny thing I think too is how after when the cost cap happened and it was classified as a minor breach, I alluded to this earlier. Half the team principals were mad that it was considered a minor breach when they're like, "No, this is actually going to have a major impact." But they literally mm-hmm. agreed to the rules. Like, I don't, I don't know why they agreed to those definitions. And then you're the, literally the first year that it um, is going to have some 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 sort of effect. You get mad about it. Like, why is there first yeah. off? Why is there even a distinction? I, I don't know if there even should be a distinction between a minor and a major breach. Because the idea was they didn't want to define stuff so that teams couldn't figure out like you know what? actually i'm okay with that penalty they, like the un the, the fear of the unknown penalty would be a strong enough uh deterrent i guess so i don't know why they even needed to classify it as a minor or major breach and then like it's it, i guess it just gets back to like what did the team principals really want these cost cap regulations to do it's like total wolf it seems like he didn't really want them to have that much teeth because he seemed fine with it so that he as another owner of one of the rich f1 teams could also have mm-hmm. some leeway if they want to if they decide they want to break the rules too maybe because maybe they will you know what i mean yeah exactly well it seems like too similar that like with toto and like like you mentioned like he's one of the other rich f1 teams he sort of wants the same leeway too um i, I read a lot about like baseball and the salary cap and baseball is like the only other big sports that doesn't have a salary cap because mm-hmm. the rich teams will never allow it and the rich uh, and the owners will never allow it and i mean sorry and the, so the rich owners and the players are both on the same side of that because it benefits mm-hmm. the players obviously to have no restrictions on how much they can be paid um which you know i to some extent agree with but from a competitive balance standpoint there ought you would think like all the owners would be in favor of it and and for a large part they have been um at times like the 94 strike especially but like the rich owners like the yankees owner and the red sox owner and the dodgers owner like it still benefits them to not have a salary cap like as much as they can mm-hmm. posture one way or the other about it. And it seems like a similar situation where like as much as like there's rivalry between Toto and Christian Horner, they do in some sense have a shared interest in that. Yeah. They are probably the at this point two of the three richest F one teams. Um and they can just you know, it helps if the rules apply to those teams similarly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's well, interesting. It's interesting. But it is. All right. Well, we're going to move on from being, I think, righteously angry about the whole Red Bull situation <laughs> to talking about Lando Norris. Um, 
So Lando Norris does not appear to be happy at McLaren. He's complaining about his car. I think he punched the wall at one point. Oh, even though it was, it was the it said it wasn't a big deal. I think like Will Buxton reported it, and a few hours later, like reeled it back. That's like it was not that big a punt or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. There was some whole weird. <laughs> there was some whole thing with that. Um, but in any case, new regulations go into place in 2026, and McLaren is in talks with Honda over an engine change. Honda currently supplies Red Bull's engines, but the, I think it's officially announced that they'll be splitting for the next regulation changes when they go into place in 2026. Mm. So, Jared, you have these sort of combo of things. McLaren's underperforming. Lando is clearly a talented driver who might want out. Um, and Honda has, again, supplied this engine to Red Bull that has been dominant the past few years. So, is getting this Honda deal um, something that you think would entice Lando to come back, or is it necessary for him to come back for them to get this deal? I think it would. I think it definitely would entice him to come back. I don't know if it's necessarily necessary because Aston Martin has proven this year that you can build a car. You can be a customer team. They are a customer. They buy their engines from Mercedes. And at least for the first three races or first two races, we can say they built a car faster than Mercedes somehow, even though they're using their engines. Mm -hmm. So it is possible. But is it possible throughout the season? I don't know. Like we already saw in Australia that Mercedes was actually quicker than Aston Martin this time. And mm -hmm. maybe I would think that maybe throughout the development of this year, because Mercedes can build their entire concept around the engine, um, their mm -hmm. engine, and they can mod they can make some sort of modifications to the engine at least for reliability. They're always going to have a leg up on that concept, I think, than like Aston Martin. Aston Martin's using a Red Bull concept with Mercedes engines, mm -hmm. so I think that yeah. is always going to give customer teams like mclaren who also buy their engines from mercedes they're always going to be at a deficit i think unless you have what red bull did is they got their exclusive partnership with honda i mean them and alfatori got their exclusive um, relationship with honda and now look at them go and i think mclaren and honda obviously have a very historic uh partnership back in the days with senna mm -hmm. And Honda have officially registered their interest, essentially, in the 2026 engine regulations. Um, mm. And I think McLaren, if you're McLaren, you need to throw, like, the kitchen sink at this to get Lando back. Otherwise, he's not coming back. Right now, actually, if you were to ask me right now, I think it's too little, too late. Because you have to worry about Lando not only leaving for Mercedes, but also leaving for Ferrari. I know Red Bull had talks about poaching him, but I feel like no, no driver should attempt to try and go into Max's team. And beat him. I don't think no. you should attempt that. Um, so they need to worry about Merck and Ferrari, but also Audi, I think. Because Audi's got McLaren's former team principal and Andreas Seidel. He's highly respected. I think you could make the argument maybe that McLaren's mess right now might be partly to blame with, for Seidel because at least a lot of this car would have been developed under Andreas Seidel, not their current um, team principal. But... Mm -hmm. Audi, like, they've never been in Formula One. They're going to be making their own engine. They can design their entire, like, the entire concept will be all in-house, essentially. So I think mm -hmm. that's the team that you're going to have to worry about as well, if not Mercedes and Ferrari. I mean, Lewis is going to retire. By 2026, Lewis will probably have retired, I would think. So You would um, think so. Although, I don't know. Alonso's, what, 42? Yeah, he's so, yeah, Alonso's still yeah. going, and he's good, and he's great. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of feel like if Lewis gets eight, then he's going to retire personally. Um, yeah. And then, um, so there will be a seat at Mercedes. Who knows what Ferrari will look like? There could be potentially two seats open there if like Leclerc wants to leave or something. Um, mm -hmm. There's just a lot of, I mean, even Aston Martin might be a suitor too. Like there's just a lot of suitors out there. And McLaren, 
the thing with Aston, the thing with Aston Martin this year is they've proven that like you can make the jump in one year. So what has McLaren been mm-hmm. doing all these years? You can do it in one year. Aston Martin just proved it. You can do it in an off season. You know, so like, yeah, I think, and he doesn't need to decide until twenty twenty five. But by that point, if you're not like challenging for race wins, you got. I think I think he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think even by then, like, if a seat opens up, like, I could see, like, let's say for whatever reason something crazy happens, Red Bull collapses this year, Lewis comes and wins eight this year and retires at the end of it. Not the most likely scenario, but Lewis wins the title, things open up. I could see Mercedes trying to, like, buy out his contract with McLaren to bring him in oh, at yeah. this point as well. Like, I mm-hmm. think that, obviously, it's one thing at the end of 2025 to be worried about it, but I also think, like, even before then, like, yeah. I think he clearly is looking around at things and seeing this is not his best situation at this point. Like, I think a lot of it, too, is especially, like, sped up by everything with Aston Martin. The fact that they went from, at the beginning of 2022, maybe the worst team on the grid, or, like, one of at least the two or three worst teams on the grid, to mm-hmm. having gotten a podium in every single race this year up to this point. So I think, from his perspective, it's, like, basically, like, as you said, like, what are they doing? Like, it's... McLaren is has name recognition they have like a history they have like you know maybe not a ton of success in the last 15 years or so but in theory they should be a team with the resources to make that jump that Aston Martin did and they just aren't so for him and from his perspective I think it would be super frustrating to sort of be sat like on a team where he can basically go nowhere not show off his skill and I mean he sees probably like the equivalent too of like what happened I mean this is a new experience team like drivers go from lower teams to higher teams all the time. But I think it would be an especially frustrating thing for him to sort of witness, especially like George Russell doing like so well. Oh, um, yeah. And like people who are his contemporaries succeeding because like George Russell's doing well, Leclerc is doing well. Like those people are all like his sort of age and his sort of like generation of F1 drivers. And they're all getting these spots on big True. teams and succeeding. And he's not. So I think to some extent he needs like, he's recognizing that, McLaren's not it, and that pretty soon, unless something dramatic changes, it's not going to be his best chance to ever win a title. So I can see him jumping ship earlier if the opportunity comes up. But I do think, getting back to like the original premise of this whole question, the the Honda deal would be intriguing, like mm-hmm. especially seeing what they have done with uh, Red Bull in the past few years. I think, I mean, obviously he'd have to wait what for three years to get there, and that's yeah. like not something that. I don't know if, how comfortable he is with doing, but it would at least, if I were him, just like, you know, peak interest in my mind a little bit of staying around. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't, for some reason, I didn't even think about him leaving early, but like McLaren itself has kind of proven that like the contracts don't really, they can get maneuvered yeah. out of essentially. So yeah, if a uh-huh. Mercedes seat opens up, you have to do, you call your agent and be like, get me that seat <laughs> for sure if that seat opens uh-huh. up. Um, yeah. I would say the one thing that like, just kind of piggybacking off of like waiting for 2026 is like McLaren McLaren can't keep like making promises forever. Like another thing that they have been banking on is the fact that they're going to get their own wind tunnel in 2024. Um, mm-hmm. And even that argument you can't really use now either because Aston Martin doesn't have their own wind tunnel. They use Mercedes wind tunnel as well. And they yeah. and again, they still did it without that. So it's like, yeah, McLaren have just been like, Oh, just it's fi- it's a five year plan. It's a five year. I, they haven't been saying that as much as like Alpine, but like I'm sure they've been saying like, oh, it's a five year plan. It's a five year plan. But it keeps just mm-hmm. getting pushed back. And Aston Martin, I mean, to like Lance Stroll, to Lawrence Stroll's credit and everything, he's like, 
we're winning tomorrow. I'm not waiting five years. We're winning tomorrow. You know what I mean? And it seems like mm. maybe McLaren doesn't have that same DNA anymore. I don't know. Like you said, they have the pedigree, but like, I don't know, like from front office wise or organizationally, who is still there from like their heydays, even back like when Lewis, the last time they were really good was when Lewis was there. So, and yeah, I wasn't a fan exactly. back then, so yeah. I don't really know much, but <laughs> no, I mean, I mean we, even if we were fans, we were like 10. So I have strong memories for <laughs> exactly, anyway yeah. at this point. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, you alluded to it. I alluded to it. I think the thing that especially with Lando that would give me pause is just how quickly Aston Martin made the jump. Like, it is possible for a team to do that, and your team is not doing that. Um, I don't know. Maybe Alonso retires after this year. I think Aston Martin would be a much better seat than the one he's currently in going yeah. forward. Because I think Lan- Lance Stroll has that seat for life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw. I think. A, I think. I. I think I saw a debate on Twitter. This is tangentially related to the point of like who is more likely to lose their seat on Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso or Lance Stroll? <laughs> and I think the answer might be Fernando Alonso because I just don't think there's any way. And I think ever loses that straight scene. we'd have to, we could debate it later, but I think there's there might be a point where if they like legitimately have a championship shot that they, he might they might drop Lance, but I don't know. We'll see. I'd have to I'd have to do we'll some more preparation on it. But um, yeah, me too. Aston Martin too. There, I think they they are a contender potentially to have like a Honda deal or something too. I think that'd be oh, potentially sure. smart for them too. Obviously, it's going pretty well with Mercedes, but. I think a Honda deal would be interesting with them. Yeah, no longer being a customer team. Be interesting. Yeah, it would. All right. Well, we are going to talk about the team that supplies the engines for all the teams we just discussed. Uh, we're going to talk about Mercedes. I think maybe there's a little rivalry brewing. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell have done all the right things as teammates so far, but they've never really had a car consistently competing for wins yet. So I think that's made it a little bit tamer. Lucas, do you think? With Mercedes making a big jump for Australia, if Mercedes can take another jump and consistently compete for wins, is there a chance that we see a rivalry brewing between Lewis Hamilton and George Russell? So I feel like all the indications for this are potentially yes, but maybe it's part of me who just doesn't want to believe it. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the case. I mean, we do have the okay. history of Lewis doing this with with Nico Rosberg, that whole rivalry, and then. You know, everything that happened with Rosberg winning the title and then leaving Formula One and that, you know, still leaving a bad taste in Lewis's mouth, et cetera, et cetera. But I think Lewis wants to win. He's the greatest F1 driver of all time. And any threat to his dominance in charge of the team will always, I think, light a fire under him a little bit. It's been reported that he is, quote, frustrated by Russell's emergence. Uh, mm. You know, Russell beat him last season, though Lewis, you know, Lewis did, as is well known, do a lot for the team in those races to help them learn more about the car that sometimes hurt his performance. So, yes, Russell beat him, but Lewis was also helping for the team. But this year, Russell's been out qualifying him as well. Mm. All that being said, I don't know. The, the, the team vibes just seem really good at Mercedes in a way that I think they might be able to manage the personalities there in a productive way. Like, I think a good example of this is at Australia. You know, George just got really screwed by the red flag. Like, he was beating Lewis in the race. He pitted. Uh, under yellow the red flag came out he was stuck and it was basically lewis's race to run at that point for mercedes like they had to put mm-hmm. all their eggs in his basket he ended up getting p2 it worked out very well for lewis and not for george but george was just like on the radio like as it happened like you know whatever it happens like it was the right call to do it at the time like that to me is indicative of a team that is good at managing personalities well like i cannot imagine a scenario like that ever happening at 
for example, Ferrari, um, <laughs> given what we know. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, again, maybe it's a little bit of, you know, naive optimism, but I think that even though there's some evidence to the contrary, um, I think that if a rivalry would develop, and I think it will, like, I think it's just natural to, like, super competitive people. I don't think it would necessarily be this, like, really destructive rivalry. Like, wouldn't it be, like, how Max deals with his, his teammates, for example? <laughs> I think those are all super valid points, but I think mm-hmm. there's, there is no doubt in my mind that mm-hmm. if they are legitimately cha- um, competing for a championship, there will, there will be sparks flying between those two. Just because when you have two great drivers going at, going at it, going against each other, I think it's just inevitable, to be honest. Like, yeah, you like mm-hmm. you said with Lewis, he had that with Nico Rosberg, but also with Fernando Alonso in his literally very first year uh, in Formula mm-hmm. One, he had a very fiery rivalry there. And like Lewis is still like very clearly hungry for an eighth world title. Like in fact, I feel like this year I've seen him like the most motivated and like least discouraged this season than he ever has been. Like. When I first started watching Formula One in 2020, there was a couple races where he kind of got like downtrodden on his like radio messages and was like clearly discouraged. Same in 2021, where this year, like he's been frustrated, but he's been like very, all his radio messages have been like, he's not like discouraged. He's like, he's angry and he's like angrily like getting ready for like a title fight and like mm-hmm. wants them to push there. So he seems pretty motivated. Um, and not that he's ever taken a success for granted, but I think now he definitely doesn't take it for granted. Um, mm-hmm. and like you said, there, there was like a, a little bit of like cracks in the armor, I guess, of the, that friendship or I don't know if it's maybe a friendship, but like good partnership between the two were like, uh, for the Saudi Arabia race, Lewis Hamilton had implied that George Russell, uh, like lucked into the right car setup essentially. And George yeah. Russell kind of mm-hmm. fired back and was like, nah, there wasn't any luck at all involved in that actually. Um, so I think like, especially if let's say the Mercedes isn't built to Lewis's liking, but George somehow is still able to manage for it. There's going to be, I think there's going to be a bunch of tension there for sure. Yeah, no, I think that is, I would not again, discount it out of the range of possibility, but, and while I think Lewis is super hungry for the title and everything, I I just, it feels to me different than like Alonzo when he was on McLaren or even like Rosberg when he was on Mercedes in the 2016 because i feel like he's already sort of like nothing is going to damage lewis's legacy at this point like he's not Mm. sort of as much of the like scrappy young i mean not that when he was in mercedes in 2016 he was necessarily like young and scrappy at that point but he hadn't like established the legacy as much as he had at this point so while i think he's like super well driven and motivated to win i think that it's like well he has the most world titles of anybody ever or tied with michael schumacher at this point like yes eight would be huge for his legacy but i don't know Maybe it's different. Again, I think there will be a healthy rivalry, but I just don't know if it'll we're gonna have as much as many sparks fly as we might have in past. That's true. I, I think yeah, I will say we haven't seen like George Russell being like toxic as much as like Fernando Alonso. Obviously, we know like how he can like play the political game and everything. And Nico yeah. Rosberg, I never saw him race as a fan, but he definitely seemed like he had that like kind of toxicity a little bit in him too, where George Russell seems to have less of it. But again, I don't know. I also just think it's because when you don't have the best car, when you don't have like a car that can actually win yet, you're like, you don't get that frustrated. So I don't know. No, that's understandable. <laughs> I mean, again, like you're alluding to, like a ton of this is contingent upon them getting that really competitive car, 
we will see how that goes. I think they're definitely trending in the right direction. Apparently, yeah. they're going with a whole new design scheme and stuff like that. So we'll, mm. we'll see how that goes. But things are trending in the right direction. I think they're closer at this point this year than they were at this point last year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even though, even though the sky was falling at Bahrain too, which I think was funny, but now it seems like they've kind of closed the gap pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We got a long wait till the next race, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what that looks like. But um, we're gonna end with some just our updates on our favorite drivers. We just were talking about him. We're gonna talk about Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Lucas is gonna take the reins there. Should we call this the Lewis lap, maybe, or? What See, we that's what it? I was thinking too, okay. and then we'll have we'll have we'll, you know, a little a little preview, or we'll get to the Carlos corner at the end yeah. of the uh, the end of the show. So, but as for Lewis Hamilton, um, I think things are looking up for him. P two in Australia is a great performance. I think he drove exceptionally well, pulling off Alonso, especially for a lot of the race. I think he showed again why he is probably the one of, if not the greatest drivers in F one history. Again, we've discussed a lot already. I feel like this isn't maybe as drawn out of an update as it can be because we've discussed a lot of like what's going on mercedes with him and george in that last segment but mercedes is obviously not at red bull level yet but they're clearly in the place to fight for i think p2 and the constructors this year it's i think that's it seems like it's at, the, at this point it's only really been a two-way race between them and aston martin just because of ferrari's yeah. struggles but i i do think ferrari might get closer but that honestly is might be 100 percent poorly placed hope given ferrari over recent years so but yeah as for mercedes just generally lewis and george are both doing great and who knows maybe with the new design concept they're coming up with they can score some wins later in the year yeah i think the thing that i'm curious to see obviously i am curious to see how they develop throughout the year but i'm curious to see more of like what wheel to wheel racing looks like between lewis and max i mean every formula one fan i'm sure mm -hmm. on the planet wants to see more lewis max wheel to wheel but also like Lewis yeah. Fernando, I want to see more of that too. Because Max, the, the interesting thing was Max threw some shade at Lewis on his lap one overtake in Australia. He said something along the lines in the post press conference that like, oh, I thought that kind of move that Lewis made was like decide was not allowed, but okay, it is what it is. What it is, he said something like that. Um, yeah. And because this time Max has more to lose since he's like the incumbent champion, incumbent champion mm -hmm. where Lewis is the challenger in 2021. It was kind of flipped. Where, like, Lewis can kind of afford to be aggressive because it's like, okay, well, if I wasn't aggressive, I wasn't winning the race. Where Max can't really, can get away with, like, being patient and just using the Red Bull pace. Um, so, we'll, I'm, I'm interested to see, like, I really hope we get more Lewis Max wheel-to-wheel. -wheel. Like, we might not get it because the Red Bull's so far ahead, but that's definitely what I'm hoping for. And And, like, both drivers have admitted that they race each other differently. And, like, all the pundits agree, too, that, like, when it's those two, they just they do race each other way differently. It's crazy. Yeah, so. no, totally the case. All right, take us to the Carlos corner. What's going on there? Yeah, the Carlos corner. Even though Carlos is ahead of Leclerc right now in the standings, I don't think it's really on necessarily all on merit. And I think like he Leclerc would have had a second place in Bahrain, right? If not for the characteristic Ferrari engine failure. And then in Saudi Arabia, like Leclerc, the, literally the second race of the season, Leclerc has already taken an engine penalty somehow. Uh, mm -hmm. So he started way further back and caught up to signs. Didn't pass him, but caught up. Then he went in the gravel in Australia, which, to be fair, if that if that was Carlos that beached himself in the gravel again, people would be piling on him. But Leclerc kind of has the pedigree and like the multiple race wins to get a pass on a mistake like that, which which Carlos doesn't like. Yeah, and I, I just think Carlos. 
hasn't made the jump I would have hoped from 2021 to 2022 and then 2022 to 2023. The car also has probably regressed a little bit, but um, I just don't think... I think we might we might have seen Carlos's ceiling at this point, which is still really high, but it's not. It's probably yeah. not a like world champion material anymore. So I, I'm kind of like losing. I'm, he's still my favorite driver, but I'm losing a little bit of faith. I, I guess I would say. I, I think I will say this though, he has he has gotten a lot of unfair criticism. Like to criticize Carlos, for example, I've said I think I've said this on the podcast before. If not, I've definitely told Lucas this. To criticize mm-hmm. Carlos for taking 150 races to get his first race win is super disingenuous because he never had a car that was capable of winning a race. Exactly. Like this is in his first season in a race winning car, which was last year. It only took him 10 races. For example, it took Leclerc 13 races to get his first race win when he was in a winning car back in 2019 with Ferrari. So I think that sort of stuff, it's like an unfair narrative, but at the same time, he hasn't made the next jump. Like he's a race winner now. That's awesome. Like not many people can say that, that they've won a formula one race. It's awesome. Super happy. But is he a multiple race winner? Like going to be challenging for championships? I don't think so. I also think Mattia Bonotto leaving was not good for Carlos. Cause it seemed like Mattia Bonotto actually really liked Carlos and his camp. Yeah. And now if mm-hmm. Ferrari needs to try to keep Leclerc and everything. So they're going to go all in on him. If they have a, if they have a championship shot, they're going to go all in on him next time. I think. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. I think it's a tough situation for Carlos, where it's like it's probably not going to get much better of a situation for him, but it's yeah. just also not a good situation to be in at this point, which is tough. Yeah. But that's going to do it for our Formula One discussion today. If you enjoyed anything about that episode, again, even if you didn't enjoy it, please just give us five stars <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Audible, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five star rating. Download this episode as well. And you can give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at lunchpailguys underscore if you want to continue the conversation for F1. And we'll have some more content for you later in the year too. Thanks.